Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome. I've got good news and bad news. Good news is you're here. Bad news is we turn our clocks forward next week. Yes. Next Saturday night. Spring forward. So what is 8.30? Will be 7.30. So we look for a full house next Sunday morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh but the good news is spring break happens the next day. So, yeah. Uh, let me give you a couple of announcements. Uh, hopefully in your bulletin you, you'll note all of the announcements. But uh, the Spark Showcase is this Wednesday night and at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. It's going to be showcasing some of NCC's greatest talents, families and all. And so there's going to be many different kind of acts. The kids will be involved. Their families will be involved. And so you don't, don't miss next Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, March 6th at 6.30. Also, there's, uh, Sonia Morris has, is coordinating a fundraiser for Jennifer Depew. Jennifer's been diagnosed with lung cancer. And uh, she goes back this week. Uh, they they got the report from her biopsy and confirmed the diagnosis, and she goes back this week, I think, to meet with with what the plan will be for treatment. And uh, Sonia Morris is doing a fundraiser. She's asking for a hundred people to donate ten dollars a month for three to twelve months. If you're interested in doing this and helping with this, the phone numbers and things are listed in your bulletin. And uh, please just pray about it and see if God would help you uh, be a part of that. And also the email is there too. And uh, this would be an opportunity to just give some bits. Uh, Roy and Dylan both have insurance, but uh, Jennifer does not. And so uh, through this, this would just be a help out. And also there's going to be a, a, a fun uh fundraiser that's going to be april 14th i believe fire department some of those uh are putting on a barbecue meal for uh donations and and that but i will announce more about that as that gets closer you can check your bulletin for other announcements if you're on facebook have you seen that pastor chris and candy are in israel and they're posting those special pictures of and uh Actually, they were baptized in the Jordan this last week. And so you pray for Chris and Candy as they uh, enjoy that special time. I'm so excited for them and getting the opportunity. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. John 14. Last Sunday, Pastor Chris uh, kind of finished up his series that he was talking about. The real Lord's Prayer, talking about the Jesus Prayer in John 17. He invited us to read John 13 through 18, 11, because it's all one, one uh, evening, the evening before Jesus was to be arrested, crucified, and, uh, and 
resurrected. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. And then in John 17, the, the Lord Jesus' prayer. This is the last conversation Jesus is having with his disciples before his arrest. And as Pastor Chris was talking about, the, the, one of the big things he was saying was, Jesus prayed in John seventeen twenty one that we would all be one. And he says, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This unity, this unity of life, this unity of ministry, this unity of expression, the sharing of life. It's going to be how the world knows that you sent Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when you start talking about this unity, this oneness, you start saying, well, how can this happen? How can we be one as the Father and Jesus are one? The Father, you know, it's the statement, the Father's in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, and Jesus is in me, and I'm in Jesus, and we're to be one. That sounds a little confusing. It preaches good. It's just the application of it. How, how does this work? So over the next three weeks, I want to share with you, because this unity, this oneness, this in Him and in us, is a work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus teaches concerning the Holy Spirit in John fourteen, fifteen, and 16. And it's surprising how little we Christians really know about the Holy Spirit. You see, most of us can talk about the life and the works of Jesus because we read about it in the Scripture. And most can give a pretty good idea of who God the Father is from creation and the Old Testament and the sending of Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we seem to be a little bit confused. And why is that? I think it's because we have a hard time understanding who He is and why He's here. A lot of people think that the Holy Spirit's like this higher power, kind of like the force of Star Star Wars. This higher power. An impersonable power, impersonal power or influence over the world. Others see him as a power source. It's kind of like when you get in trouble, you plug into him and he comes through. And still others, probably the most, most people see him as an influence for good. Similar to your conscience. A lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit is really just your conscience. Of good and evil. But I'm discovering you can't have a relationship just with a force or an influence or even a power source. So if we're going to have a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to listen to Jesus who is himself the way, the truth and the life. And you find that. Jesus, his teaching in John 14 through 16. I want you to look at John chapter 14. We're going to be looking this morning at uh, verses 16 through 18. But I, I want you to turn there. But I want to set the stage for you because 
as I read through, Pastor Chris asked us to read through these, just this passage over and over again. As I read through this, I realized that so much of the time when we read the Bible, we kind of take the context out of it. We just kind of read and imply the words. If you put this in the context, Jesus has washed their feet. And he tells them that uh, they've had the, the Passover meal together. And he tells them that one of them is going to betray him. And Judas dips the bread and then leaves. Peter, Jesus begins to tell them that uh, he's about to go. He's about to die. He's about to leave them. You've got to understand, here's the context. These 11 men that are left after Judas leaves, they've been walking with Jesus for three years. Jesus is everything to them. In a sense, they had nothing in the world at that time but Jesus. What he said, what he did, they were walking with him. They had this understanding that Jesus was, was going to be restoring the kingdom. And they were going to see it. They, they saw the miracles and they experienced the madness. Jesus has gathered them together and he begins to tell them, I'm going to, where I'm going, you can't come. I'm going to die. Peter stands up and says, I'll go wherever. I'll do it all. I'll, and he turns to Peter and says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. You get the impact, the load. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a condition that you thought everything was about to change? That everything you'd built your hopes on was something. It's kind of like it sucks the air, the oxygen out of the room. When Jesus said, I'm leaving you. I can hear their question. Well, what does that mean about us? What about us? What about me? Where, where does it leave us? Life was about to change and they just, all they could see is the negative. Because Jesus was everything to them. In a sense, they had nothing in the world but Jesus. In response to His, they had left everything. They had sacrificed their relationships with fathers and mothers and home and friends and business and every earthly prospect. They embarked on an entirely new life. He had been the source of everything for them. Everything at every level of their life came through Him. He was it. All their dependencies were on Him for absolutely everything. It wasn't an easy life, but it was a life that was alive with Jesus. Challenge and threat, miracles of madness, they faced anger and misunderstanding, but with Jesus by their side, they never faltered would reach out and pull them in. With His presence, faith and strength was always within reach. And they could bravely stand in the face of whatever came. And now He says, I'm leaving you. <laughs> the sunlight of His presence suddenly is eclipsed by these words. You've got to understand 
Not just what Jesus was saying, but what these men were hearing. I'm leaving. Their whole framework of their life seemed to fall crashing in, crashing in ruins within their own ears. What I want you to do is I want you to feel their terror, their panic. Jesus, we left everything. And, and now you're telling, three years is not enough. Three years is not enough. There's so much more to accomplish. We're not there yet. What are they to do? What will become of them? And then these panic-stricken disciples listen to Jesus as he explains. Look at verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is the first time that Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit. In the, in the, in the way of teaching them, of, of describing them, of of informing them of who He is. Now, I want you to understand, the first thing Jesus says about the Holy Spirit is that He's a person. He said, when the Holy Spirit... Now, if you want to hear... It's Hagias Numa. Hagias Numa. Holy, set apart for a purpose, Numa. He, the Spirit, the best way I know, you, Numa means wind. The best way, though, to describe it is breath. Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father, and He's going to send the breath of God into your life. He's going to be with you, but He's going to be in you. And He, when He comes, not it. Not when the influence happens. When He. Later on we're going to hear that not only does, does the Holy Spirit come to be in us, but Jesus comes to be in us and the Father comes to be in us. Literally, we are inhabited by the, the Godhead. That's what Jesus is telling them. Look, you're fearful because you think I've said I'm going away. But if you knew, and later on we'll say, it's to your advantage. I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, He can't come. He, the Holy Spirit, can't come. Well, who is this person? He called Him the Helper. Jesus used the word Helper. I will send, He will send you a Helper. You may have another word in your Bible. It's Helper in the New King James and New American Standard. The King James Version says Comforter. The New Living Translation says advocate. The NIV says counselor. The message says friend. Well, preacher, which is it? Yes. It's all of them. Because what it's saying, it's, it's a translation of a word in the original language. It's, 
It's parakletos. And John, the Apostle John, is the only one who uses this word. Here he's, he's referring to the helper or the counselor, the comforter, or the Holy Spirit. Here he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he uses the same word, parakletos, and it's translated advocate, and he's talking of Jesus. The word parakletos, there's not a single word, just what I mean, there's not a solitary word, like baptism, that word means baptize, <laughs> you know. Baptizo means baptize. There's one word. Here, parakletos, there's not a single word that defines it. it it's a translation of two words. Para means alongside, assist. Kaleo means to call or to invite. The word means one who's been called alongside to assist or to help. To take charge of a case, kind of like a lawyer. When you can't do it on your own, that one steps beside you to represent you in a situation. Or to plead a cause, one who stands in the gap for you. Or an advocate, your defense lawyer. But there's another word where it, that's important in the original that we would miss in English. Because in verse 16, it says, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. And it's the word another. He'll give you another helper. And the word there used is alos. It's another. But there's two words in Greek for another. One is alos. That means another of the same kind. And then there's heteros. Which is another of a different kind. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, he, he will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to be the same kind as me. Now, this is important. He's going to send another Helper, the same kind of Helper as me. If you've seen me, Jesus said, what? You've seen the Father. If you receive the Holy Spirit, he's saying in a real way, you're receiving me. The same kind as me. Not a different kind, it's the same. In other words, one in essence. If you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving someone just like Jesus. Now think of these disciples, what are they hearing? What are they hearing? They're hearing about another one that's the same kind as Jesus. Well, let me ask you, what had Jesus been to them? He'd been everything. He'd been everything. <laughs> he, he answered every question they ever had. He provided everything they needed. I mean, he could break the bread and feed the multitudes. He supplied all their protection. He was all their provision. He, he taught them. He was their instruction. He was their wisdom. He was their knowledge. Everything came from him. He interpreted all of their experiences. He not only told them uh, the meaning of what had happened, 
And what was happening, he explained to them what was coming ahead and what was going to happen. He explained to them the significance of divine revelation in the past. And he was absolutely everything to them. And he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to pray the Father. And he's going to give you a helper, a parakletos, that does everything I do. He's going to be to you everything you need. Andrew Murray, he has written a book called, it's an old book, but it's called The Spirit of Christ. And in it he quotes W. Kelly as saying, This word, parakletos, this word helper, has an incomparably larger meaning than an advocate on one hand or a comforter on the other. It includes both, but it takes in great deal more than than either one of those. It means one who identifies with our interests. One who undertakes all our cause. One who engages to see us through all our difficulties. One who in every way becomes our representative. And the great personal agent that transacts our business for us. And Andrew Murray goes on to say that even all of this didn't cover all that all the ground that this word covers. Well, it sounds pretty good to me. Now, just think about who he's talking. He's going to give you someone who identifies with where you're at, who undertakes what you're going through, who engages to see you through every difficulty, who in every way becomes your representative. And he's a, he's a personal agent that transacts, that works the works that you're involved in. How many of you need that kind of help? Me too. And then in verse 17, John says this, Jesus says the spirit he's the spirit of truth now that word truth in in greek there's no word for truth i mean there's no word the word truth means reality it means real he's the spirit of reality it's not supposition It's not, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth there means I'm the real, I'm the reality of the way in life. And he was literally using the same word about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the breath of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Now listen to these next words. For he dwells with you. And will be in you. Now listen to who he's talking to. He's talking to the eleven. That are going to go through the cross. Go through the, the, the burial. For forty days go through a visit with the resurrected Jesus. And then ten days later they're going to go through and experience Pentecost. When that Holy Spirit, that helper is poured out on all flesh Jesus is telling and it's amazing to me as you get to the end of John you get to the words and Jesus in Acts chapter 1 he starts talking about you go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high the one I was telling you about here's where he's telling them about him he's the helper he's the parakletos 
He's the necessary one. He's the one who is just like me. Who's going to be to you just like me. But listen to this. He's not only going to just be with you. He's going to be in you. Now what's the big difference? Jesus is He's going to say it better later. It's, it's to your advantage. You see... Up until this time, I've been with you. So when we've run into trouble, I've been there. When you had questions, I was there. When you wanted to know what I was, what this meant, I was there. When you needed the miracles, you watched, I was there. It passed through your hands. You know him. You know what kind of help this is going to be because you, he's been with you because he's been with me. He's in me. And as the Father's in me and the Spirit is in me, I'm going to be in you. The Spirit's going to be in you. He will be in you. And there's these two things about this in. It talks about indwelling and empowering. The Holy Spirit's not just going to be present with you. He's not going to be an influence in the world. Listen to me. He's not just going to be a power source that you can plug into. He's, he's going to be a personal God in you just like Jesus was with you. Now, they're, it's blowing their minds. They still don't get it. They're not going to get it until Pentecost. They're not going to get it until after Pentecost. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be doing the works Jesus did. Because He was in them. He indwells. He's going to be in them. The Holy Spirit actually lives in the believer's spirit as the life source. Take a deep breath. You don't look at you. You didn't see that air going in. You did. That's the wind. That's the breath. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is in you as much as the next breath you're going to take. The Holy Spirit fills you. Present. It enlivens you. It will help develop you. Him. Him. Not it. I'm sorry. Him. He. He is life to you. He is in you. He is a life source to you. And God promised this in the Old Testament. Ezekiel said this, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Now listen to this. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. How can I do them? By my spirit. It's not by might nor by power, Zechariah said, but by my spirit. He comes to live in us, enabling us to live life on an entirely new level. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, you thought it was good while I'm here, you just wait. When He has come, He's working. The Holy Spirit is working, energizing us to change And he's changing us from the inside out. He's at work in us, Philippians tells us, both to will and to do the Father's good pleasure.
He is the minister of the new covenant who writes the law on our hearts, who causes us to walk in His ways. There's a knowing you have not by learning, but by listening, by responding to the Holy Spirit. Not only does He indwell you, but He empowers you. This is... Talking about the Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you could never do on your own. If you go back up to verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And that's a key passage. The Holy Spirit could not be poured out until Jesus had accomplished what he was going to accomplish to payment for sin be buried in a tomb and conquer sin and death in resurrection and ascend to the Father. And when he went to the Father, he could send this helper that was just like him to dwell in them and empower them to do the works that he did. The Holy Spirit, the gist of this, i got to, man... The Holy Spirit is the key to the Christian life. No matter how much you know about the Bible. No matter how much you discipline yourself. No matter how hard you try to serve and please God. If you are not properly related and relying on the Holy Spirit. The Christian life will not work. Why? Because the Christian life is not a ritual, it's not a set of teachings, it's not rules of conduct, but it's a relationship, a relationship with the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. There's another word here you've got to see, verse 16, I want you to see it again. Verse 16, that He may abide with you forever. This is a key word. He's not going to be with you for three years like I've been, Jesus is telling them. He's going to be with you forever. And that word forever means through your entire life here, through your entire life in heaven, and He will be with you throughout eternity. He will be with you. He will be in you. Folks, listen, there's never going to be a time from the time you receive Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit and He comes to live in you. There's never going to be another time that you will be without Him. How can I say that? Because Jesus said it. He will be with you forever. Forever. Time upon time upon time. That word means forever age. There's a warning here. The Spirit of the truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. I want you to listen to me. The world can't receive what we're talking about. Why? Why? Because they don't see him, they don't perceive, they don't, they don't acknowledge him. And they don't know him, they don't understand. In other words, this whole thing is for a certain people. This promise is, if you want to hear it, Jesus is praying later on. He said, I don't just pray for these, I'm praying for all those who will believe because of these. 
The Holy Spirit is reserved for those who love God. If you read the rest of that verse, it says, but you know him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him. But but then who who then receives the helper? Verse 15 of John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. The message says, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The Holy Spirit comes to anyone who loves Jesus. Now, you've got to understand, this is more than a feeling, it's a dependence. It's one who understands your need and you follow Jesus because all life comes from Him. The evidence of your love is that you keep His Word. Now, when it says obedience, that word obedience means to listen under. I submit to what He's saying. Obedience is not about keeping the rules. And listen to this. You're not going to obey God to in order to merit the Holy Spirit. You don't obey to get. You obey because you got. It's because you already, you're acknowledging your dependence on Him. And because you depend on Him, whatever He says, you're going to respond to because you love Him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will surely keep my words And I will pray the Father and He will give you a helper. Give you the helper. Luke 11, 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let me tell you something. The world is not asking for the Holy Spirit. Only those who love Him. Only those who need Him. Have you come to realize you can't live this life apart from God? Jesus came so that you wouldn't came to die so you wouldn't have to. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that the life that Jesus has promised you could be a reality, the spirit of truth. The question is, will you receive Him? Have you come to the place in your life that you realize you can't live the Christian life without help? And that help is a person. Jesus, I know you as my Savior and Lord. I know what you did for me. But God, even what you've done for me is not complete until you come to do it in me. And do it through me. And I need help. And Jesus says, I got what you need. The Holy Spirit will be with you and be in you. So what do we do? We ask. Now let me tell you, you're only going to ask when you know you need help. How many of you have a hard time asking for help? You know why? Because you think you can do it. The other side of it, you think that you're expected to do it. Do you know what Jesus was telling them? Just everything I've been for you when you couldn't do it before, the Holy Spirit's going to be for you when you can't do it later. 
In other words, it's going to take us in you to, for you to be the you I created you to be. Ask me. Trust me. Believe me. So how do I ask? I don't ask for the next breath. I just depend on it. Right? I don't, I don't have to, to think about I know I need it. I've got to have it. And it becomes... Now, it needs to be supernaturally natural that we receive the Holy Spirit. Every moment, every day, all the time, I need help. I'm not sufficient. He's promised. I'm receiving. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that just as we... Just as Jesus taught us, we would be encouraged and comforted and filled with the awareness that you've made provision for everything we need. God, I have no excuse for not living in the fullness of your love and life because you've given another just like you that has provided everything and will provide and will teach me and will show me and will live through me everything that you want done. So today, Lord, I acknowledge you, I trust you, I discern my need, and I ask, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me walk in your ways, truth, and life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.